seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 200 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of things that affect gamers at and away from the gaming tables and computers. And somehow, some way, for 200 episodes, I've been here as your host, Daquan Watson, and still hanging out with me, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? The, the con has worked. Apparently. I guess so, man. <laughs> we got away with it. 200 episodes. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I don't know. I guess when we started, I didn't really think about how long this would yeah. all be. But I don't think I ever thought about 200 being a real number. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good shows that didn't make it to 200 episode mark. I feel like one day that Raw, like, we you know, we've been on longer than cheers. Hell, didn't Raw just do whatever, like, episode some thousand or something like that yeah. they've had? I don't remember, was it like 3,000 or something, whatever, some big old number? Like, crazy to think about all it the stuff. It stacks up pretty fast when you don't take any weeks off. Well, for sure. You know, and that's kind of our case, right? We've missed, I think, one week in the entire 200, I guess, technically 201 week run that, that we've been putting stuff out, so... That's that's crazy. But we'll talk about that more at the end of the show, because there is a lot that goes into making 200 episodes happen. Uh, but I do want to take an aside for a second to uh, give support, condolences, prayers, whatever is needed right now for, for people in Hawaii. Because uh, for those of you that don't know, if you somehow dodge the news, there are crazy, I believe last count was three large wildfires on the big island in Maui. And uh, yeah, lots of damage. They're assuming a big chunk of the island will be destroyed if it hasn't already. Two of the fires, they believe, were between 50 and 60% controlled at least. Uh, but the other one's still just going. And they have concerns because there's hurricanes not too far off and the winds are still kicking stuff up and around. So it's crazy, man. When you see it, it's it, the only thing I can describe it. Like when they say something looks apocalyptic, that's exactly because most people sadly are having to film from a boat, you know, because they had to escape the island or from the water. And you just see fire, smoke clouds, you know, even pieces of things like falling into the water on fire. Like it's it's crazy. It's very, very. Unfortunately, a lot of our planet is starting to look very apocalyptic. Yeah, it just doesn't even look real. You know, it's the only way I can describe it. So, you know, hopefully it's over quick. They can get back to fixing it. But, yeah, if you know anybody in Hawaii, if you can, check on them. I know communications are having some issues for obvious reasons. But, you know, check in with your folks. Uh, as we move into the rest of the show, though, don't forget, pay some love to our sponsors over at CoolStuffInc.com, where they always have cool stuff in stock. And you can save 5% on your order by just using code DRAGON at checkout. And the one thing I want to point out, too, about Cool Stuff is, while we do talk a lot about magic and stuff, like they have stuff for all types of games. So if you play D&D or you play board games or you want to buy some Pokemon cards or whatever, like they've got all that over there. You want to sell some cards? You can do that. And they support a lot of good creators and stuff, too. So be sure to show them some love. Save yourself some money. And... If you want to support the show directly, you can go to patreon.com slash color of magic. And normally we pick somebody to give a shout out to, but for 200 episodes, I'm just give a shout out to everybody. 
all the folks that have supported us, you know, past, or I mean, or, or current, you know, either, because even if you can only support us for a couple months at a time, like that still has gone to help out. And it was still meaningful on our overall journey to get to where we are now. So, you know, don't feel bad if your finances where you couldn't do it anymore. You know, if you are able to support, we love it. We appreciate it. And it really does help out. And then, of course, if you want to get some merch, go to colorofmtg.com slash shop. All right, let's get into some soapboxy things, because we're going to end the show, I think, on a positive note. But we're going to get into some other stuff. We're going to get a little sticky here and there this episode. And this one's a little tough, because even as we talked about it pre-show, I, I was thinking of ways I want to kind of approach this conversation and I, I think there's just a lot of random misplaced negativity right now for a lot of people. And I get it that a lot of people are in situations where they're not happy. You know, they, they don't feel like they have control over anything. Recession's kicking their butt. They don't like their job. And sometimes it's just easier to lash out online, right? You find some people that you can get behind rally behind to be mad at something and you can get out some of that aggression and it's safe and you know, you're not going to be attacked and you feel like you're doing something. But the reality is there's still people on the other side of all that, you know? And I bring this up really, really for a couple issues. The first is my original thing was just going to be approaching from the idea of just these people that want to keep bringing up like older dead issues on when it doesn't make any sense. And the most recent example I can think of, I'll, I'll, I'll use the example of the whole Pinkerton's thing, right? Like there's, I don't think it was uh, Marrow doing, and we'll talk about this later in the show too, is the, the new releases coming up for, for magic. And I don't know, he's showing some artwork or talking about things. Somebody's like, yeah, but are the Pinkertons going to come stop me from whatever? And it's like, really dude, like that's where you're going to put that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to diminish anybody supporting any issue, like anything you are against or hate or whatever. You should protest it, whatever, but do it in a way that makes sense. Because when you're doing stuff like that, you're just going to make a bunch of people look at you and hate your issue more. And you're not going to be able to get support and people aren't going to rally behind you because it just feels so out of place and doesn't make any sense. Now, if they were talking about how they were against somebody or going after a thing or, you know, we're threatening somebody, then you could bring up the Pinkertons and it would make sense. Like, well, y'all might want to take them serious because remember when them Pinkertons got them other dudes or whatever? And like, okay, cool. Like, it's well past and nobody's really talking about it anymore, but at least there it makes sense. But on other stuff, and, and I'm going to use this since I can at least put myself in the spot because I don't like using other people as examples if I don't have to. But since I am an MTG ambassador now, I can I can at least use this as an example. I talked to some of the other ambassadors just for like project ideas or what they're working on or whatever. And some of them are getting hate just for being an ambassador. Just because people are mad at wizards about a thing or upset at prices on something or whatever. And then you're going to attack somebody else literally being like, well, you're getting free product from them. Like, okay but you're still enjoying all of their free content that you're getting to enjoy online. 
So, like, who cares? Like, it's really misplaced rage. Like, you are upset at a person who is doing literally nothing wrong and largely doing the same things they were doing before, except now they have to put a hashtag and a link on something. Like, that's very weird. And again, it's helping them afford to produce more free content that you get to enjoy. I got it. It's just so misplaced. Like people got to get their stuff together. Like my example is I had a couple people bring up now they weren't being directly angry. And fortunately that's a large part of how I've cultivated my community. But some people did say, well, I'm concerned that now all your content's going to change and you're going to have to kiss wizards, butt or whatever. And I just had to politely point out to them that, I'd already done a bunch of work for Wizards. Like, one, I'd worked there, but I've also done commentary, and I've done stuff for their Arena YouTube channel, and I've done stuff for their TikTok thing, and I've worked on some special products, and I've done stuff at conventions, and like, but that didn't affect my content before. So why do you think it's going to affect content now? And a lot of them just kind of went, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. So fortunately, I have that, right? I don't know if a lot of other people do. But yeah, people just got to get it together. We got to slow down. Like, Keep your anger focused. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't attack people who aren't really doing anything that are just caught in the middle or also trying to better themselves. Like, It's silly, and it just makes you look bad. If anything, you're probably just going to end up on more people's block lists and then not be able to participate in giveaways and other cool things those same people might be doing. But all right, Brian, I'm going to give you some time here because we're going to roll right into what did we learn? Because now we're going to go on to a very positive thing that I like to talk about. And I'm glad you're bringing this up. So what do you got, dude? All right. uh, State Fair Texas is coming soon. Of course, that means we are going to have the State Fair of Texas food contest. And yeah, as always, we we got some bangers and we got some who decided that's the thing. Dude, let me say, in a different life, I was probably a super fat guy. Because, man, I love fair food. Like, I'm not even playing. Like, sometimes I go to the fair, and if I don't get good fair food, I'm mad. I don't care about rides. I don't care about games. I'll do some of that stuff, but I'm hooking it up on the fair food when I'm there. So what do you got? What's the crazy I, stuff this year? I, I, I'm a fat dude in, in our current life. So uh, that's some <laughs> of the, the ones that apparently, there's 36 semifinals. Some of the ones that unfortunately didn't make it are uh Pickle coated in fruity pebbles. Would you? Would Ooh, that's that? tough. I don't think I could do that. That's tough. I, re- I remember as a kid, we ate peppermint pickles. That seems that's kind of in the same vein. Uh, cotton candy margarita, unfortunately, did not make it. That sounds cool. Yeah. Deep fried Vietnamese coffee. Did, did, missed the cut also, unfortunately. Also sounds cool. Now some of the ones, or actually the ones that did make it, deep fried pho. And for those of you who don't know, the f- I don't know how oh. you have- Pho, yeah, pho's good, man. But I don't know how you fry a soup, but, you know, the state fair every year fries some I didn't physically know. You know what? I bet you it starts out frozen. I would think so. That's probably... That that, that seems like how that would work. I think I guess that's that's how they do ice cream and and probably Kool-Aid, too. Or maybe they have a way to mix it into the batter, and instead of using water, you use pho to make the batter. That's also possible. And if anybody knows, well, I guess don't give away the secrets if you know them. Man, food wizards. I love this stuff, man. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, loaded fries pizza. Is it, is it loaded fries or pizza? It's apparently both of those things. Loaded fries pizza. Like that, just, that just sounds like you just made like pizza dough and then just set fries on top. Like, I would shamelessly. Uh, I mean, I, would, I probably I still eat, eat it. Yeah, I won't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you acted like all. <laughs> like, we would eat that. I'm just saying, as far as creativity, I'm like, ah, I don't know. But like, I still eat it though. <laughs> I mean, it's already gotten to the finals. So it's got a shot. Uh, how about some deep fry? It's called an oxtail soul roll. Sounds like it's uh, basically an oxtail kind of. Uh, it, it doesn't look like it's fried, but yeah, is it simmer? Oh, okay. So I guess not fried. It's simmered. That's like I know how to cook. Simmered chunk that combined with butter, celery, onions, and smoked gouda stuffed into a spring roll. Like, okay. Oh, so it's an oxtail spring roll. Yeah. Oh, that's probably tasty as hell. Uh, I would try that. For sure. And here's what I I guess I always knew this animal had ribs. It never occurred to me to eat them, but turkey ribs is is one of the ten finalists. That is the most turkey ribs. I, I guess right. I'm like, yeah, I guess the animal does have to take. I guess any vertebrate probably has ribs, yeah. but it just it never occurred to me to eat a turkey's ribs before. I mean, I'm down. I'll try it. It's the texture is similar to pork ribs, so okay. In that sense, not weird. But still, I hadn't even really thought about. I mean, I guess. And you could also get it holiday style, which comes with cranberry of chipotle salsa and turkey giblet gravy. Of course. So. Yeah, I, I try it. I mean, okay. Let me say this because we talked about this a little bit, but I don't think people know this. But if you live outside of like the central corridor of the U.S., Texas up through the Midwest, you're just behind on fair food technology. And I know this sounds silly. But I had traveled a couple times and knew about fairs in different places. But when we moved, this was six or seven years ago, they were still up here in the Northwest at their fairs celebrating red velvet funnel cake. We'd already had that in Texas like four or five years prior. I feel like we're the the epicenter of the fried fair food. <laughs> yeah, I was just like stunned because I'm like, y'all don't have any new fun thing. Now, don't be wrong. One thing they do in the Northwest is you can sometimes get damn near gourmet food at the fair, which was a little bit weird. But, <laughs> well, because, you know, you're looking to just go and just get sloppy sometimes, yeah. you know, like, you you know, you're going to be walking around. Your face is going to be all oily from a turkey leg, you know, whatever. Right. You're throwing down when you go. But, yeah, they they were they didn't have a lot of this because, you know, I Midwest, I saw one thing. They made a meat ice cream cone. They had. Like layers of meat, and instead of like ice cream, it had like mashed potatoes, and instead of syrup, it had had barbecue sauce on it. And I'm like, that was actually one of the semifinalists was kind of like, like that. Basically, it was like a chicken instead of chicken and waffles, but I think it was like Nashville hot chicken in a waffle cone. There I you couldn't go. believe that did it because I, I want to be able to vote for that. I'm mad that didn't make the final. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's fair food. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like just somebody went into the lab and came out with the weird ass thing and went, I bet people eat this. And they're right. We'll eat it all the time. <laughs> so it's just weird to go to a fair and they just didn't have a lot of that. So it was a little bit of letdown. But I realized literally if you're in the Midwest or, you know, all the way down south through Oklahoma, Texas, whatever, those fairs, I don't know why, but they're the ones crushing it on the food scene. Just cool See, stuff. But yeah, man, it'd be interesting to see who wins that because those are some pretty cool things. Turkey ribs. I would have never even thought about that, but that's that's cool. 
Yeah, like you said, I'd try it. I definitely would. No question. Uh, well, the thing I have to share isn't near as fun as fair food. But if you didn't know, there's a card game called Versus System 2-Player Card Game, which is basically the resurrection of the Versus System card game uh, about, what, seven years apart or so? But that sounds about right. The cool part about it is it's one of those card games where they can introduce a bunch of different properties. So they're predominantly Marvel properties, and they don't have DC stuff because DC has their own uh, deck building game or whatever. But they do get to introduce stuff because they had like the boys, I think is one of the expansions. And they have a few other things in there. But most recently, they have introduced AEW Wrestling as a game. It just released last week. It has its own full set, has an expansion. You can always cross over these products because they all use the same base rules. But uh, yeah, it's a 200 card, what they call giant size professional wrestling starter set. And it has all the major characters. I believe it has like the ones you would expect. Like if you follow AEW Sting, uh, MJF, John Moxley, like all those people are in there. And a lot of the images are directly from the shows. So if you watch pay-per-views or, or the weekly shows or whatever, you'll be familiar with all that. But it has 12 main characters, 28 supporting characters, and 200 cards as a whole. And it has cool stuff, too. It has, like, their championship belt and some other things. But I just thought that was pretty interesting that uh, AEW, you know, because we are also wrestling fans, is still trying to figure out where they can engage with their fans outside of an actual wrestling product, right? Something that you're not just wrestling or showing wrestling. And, you know, they recently had a video game come out to, uh, we'll call it mixed success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but, you know, and even getting into this, into card games, and just saying, like, hey, let's see. You know, this is something there where WWE's had some card games and they have some other stuff with different companies. But, you know, maybe we get in with this one where it's at least reasonably well-known and somewhat popular and Maybe you can build your fan base through that. Yeah, because right now in a traditional uh, tabletop CCGs, WWE has nothing. So uh, it's I, getting harder and harder to find places where WWE has <laughs> no presence. Yeah, no trading card games. I believe currently, let me double check. They have some stuff with WizKids, I think. Yeah, there's like, I think there's some board games and of course some 25 million mobile games. Yeah, WizKids, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check their website, but I, I'm pretty sure they have. I remember there's one with miniatures. I forget what it's called. There's a there's a kind of like multiplayer board. Actually, the, the Royal Rumble game is very fun, especially if you can get seven or eight of your friends at a table. It really yeah. does have that Royal. That was a lot of fun. But in terms of just, you know, like a Magic or Versus System, hey, I'm going to play you. In this card game, they don't really have anything. Yeah, maybe it's not WB or WizKids. I can't remember, but I know I've seen two or three branded things recently that have WB license on them. But yeah, definitely. They have several, but I just don't think they have any. Yeah, no, like what I would call real card game card games. So, you know, could be a chance for AEW to break into some new space, which is kind of cool. I also don't mind products like that. Kind of to the same extent, you know, Magic does their, their universes beyond or whatever. If you can introduce a license to a game you already like, and especially if those cards are fun or useful or whatever, it can at least get people asking questions about the other brand. It is absolutely going to be hilarious if one of the top characters in the game becomes, I don't know, Jade Cargill or 
I don't know who all is in it. Kenny Omega. Spider-Man versus Kenny Omega. And Kenny nah, Omega. against MJF because he'll be the big heel. Right. <laughs> well, I say that unless you watch right now. Then he's turned into one of the biggest baby faces, which is hilarious. He's definitely a heel you love to hate. Oh, yeah. Right now, though, with Cole, he's definitely the big. Because everybody knows it's going to be Cole that turns on MJF. Right. Yeah. That's the setup. Because you're going to think hey, it's MJF. Man. All the way up until the time it happens, and then that's going to turn MJF into a giant baby face. Like that's all you're waiting for. But yeah, fun stuff. Just seeing like different brands trying to branch into gaming in different ways. So anytime that stuff pops up, I think it's at least worth mentioning. It's kind of kind of fun. But yeah, let's talk about some interesting stuff because we did mention some of those upcoming releases for Magic. So what we found out last week, and this was all part of their like Gen Con announcements, uh, their 30th anniversary, finishing up their 30 years of magic thing. And pretty much we got a three year list of releases. So it was quite a lot. And we did learn some other things as well that we're going to have effectively new story arcs that run three years long, which is kind of interesting because I don't think we really had like a set amount of time that a storyline was going to run before. We kind of just knew we're going to keep getting these sets and the story's just going to run until the story's over. But this is kind of the first time I feel like that we've been told definitively three years and then we know the story's done and we start another one. Don't know if that's good or bad or mostly just indifferent, but kind of cool, I guess. That we know it's a thing. I mean, if you if you're if you think you're gonna love this story in this particular place, I think it's great. And but then also, I guess if you don't feel engaged with this player or this story, you know, hey, I can maybe I can take a break financially, just <laughs> physically. Yeah, maybe you know you don't like the direction. You go, cool. I can see you in what twenty four months or something. If if you find a point you don't like, right? Although I gotta say, Western theme set. I, I've been waiting for that. I just. <laughs> You if I would have pitched an idea, it would have been a Western thing. What's funny is somebody asked me, two different people asked me that in the last couple of years. I said, this is probably one that'd be an easy slam dunk. So it has to be coming. You know, yep. people are like, ah, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I can think of a lot of ways we could do this. And sure enough, there it is. You know, so, and 100%, I knew nothing about it. It just seemed like very easy, you know. Because well, they're starting pitch. to do like, okay, the mafia set, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Victorian horror set. At that point, you kind of go, okay, yeah, at some point. We're probably going to get a Western. Oh, yeah. But there's also been games already based around that, like Doomtown and some of these others that were, you know, where you had spirits that roamed around and then you have anything you want to do with natives. That's a thing. You have gold that you could find that could be used as treasure or whatever. You don't necessarily need guns because we've already shown you can have various blasters or wands or whatever. So like something that shoots is always possible. You could have vehicles with like stagecoaches and whatever, right. right? Like it's all there. Like you don't even have to try hard. So it's just like, yeah, kind of cool that that's going to be a thing. But uh, let me see if I can give a quick rundown of these. Feel free to chime in wherever you want. Uh, try to blaze through the number of things that we know that are coming. But uh, Wilds of Eldraine in September. So that's like three weeks away, I guess, or so at this point. So not a surprise there. We knew that was coming. Lost Caverns of Ixalan, oddly in November. I thought this was originally going to be the January, February release, but apparently we're moving to a schedule where we get two things in the early part of the year 
two things in the later part of the year for standard. And we're still going to have no standard releases in the summer. And that's usually, it sounds like going to be some, uh, universes beyond type product every year, like we've done the last couple of years. So don't know, very awkward, but that's a thing. So, uh, yeah, Lost Caverns of Ixalan will be November, which is a plane we're returning to. Obviously, we just released Commander Masters. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, the Middle Earth thing also happened. So, uh, Doctor Who comes out in October. That's Hoody going to be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to be just Commander decks. So, four Commander decks. not as Kind of like, uh, like the Warhammer release, effectively. Uh, and I will say from everybody I've been talking to industry-wise, you probably want to pre-order those if you can. They're going to be very, very popular. Uh, and I don't know if allocations are going to be the same or not, but because of the time of year, on far as getting restocked, if they sell out, there are some early concerns. Not saying it can't be solved and fixed or whatever with people pre-planning, but just saying... Right now, it is still a concern for some people, so you may may want to make sure you get them sooner rather than later. Uh, there's some Tales of Middle-Earth holiday release, and we kind of had this hinted back a little while ago. This It looks like it's going to come out in November. My guess is probably like the last week of November or something to line up with post-Black Friday holiday sale stuff through December, but that's all we really know about it. And there was like a mention of a Jurassic park secret layer i guess that ties into ixalan being the world of dinosaurs and whatever so that kind of makes sense we have murders at karlov manor which is 2024 uh first quarter it says and basically a return to ravnica we'll see um ravnica always does well we've never done ravnica as a single set we've always done it as a I think every time we've done Ravnica, it's been three sets, and we've done that three times. So it'd be interesting to see how that fits into a single set. The one I think lots of people are anticipating is Outlaws of Thunder Junction. That's the, as it sounds in the name, uh, the Western set that we talked about. And it's apparently going to be focused mostly on villains in that set, which is kind of interesting. So it says... That said, it'll focus on characters from Magic's past, as well as some new ones. And we'll see what happens. And I guess something happened to this place during the Frexian invasion and all that stuff. So, interesting. Uh, there's also another one called Bloomboro, which will be quarter three uh, in 2024. And that's interesting that it says Q3, right? Because you have your first quarter, your second quarter usually carries you into the summer. But if this says Q3, I guess does this mean do we get it in like September and then the next one comes October, November? I think we're still going to have summer with nothing in there. But Bloomborough is a set full of anthropomorphic animals, which feels like a bit of a departure pretty seriously from Magic as far as Magic canon. But hell, why not? No, they've, they've had... Uh... I mean, we've had animals for a while. We've got rats I mean, we've and had, rabbits. And... We've had a Johnny. <laughs> and there was a whole clan of rats back in Kamigawa. That is true. That is true. We do we do have some. So why not, right? But yeah, a whole world of them as this sets up. So should be interesting. Don't know, but it says uh, you'll encounter 
rabbits, birds, mice, raccoons, squirrels, wolves. So, yeah, could be fun for storybook stuff, which is amusing because we have Western set. Then we have Bloomborough, which is animals. And then we go to Duskmorn, which is oddly the way that it was described as a house of horrors that the plane is one giant continuous creepy mansion. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm almost like, I don't really get it, but hey, why not? Right? Like you're trying something outside the box. It also means, I believe this is going to be the first time in a long time we've gone to three new planes in a row. Usually you have at least one known fan favorite one in there somewhere, which I think that's like the safe move because there's always going to be something. Hey, well, people like this and we can use this to bring people back in for a while or whatever. But three new ones in a row. And one of them, Dustborn, very abstract. It's going to lean very heavy on like modern horror, it sounds like. Don't know how I'm going to feel about it. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are into the horror genre stuff. Obviously, you know, like American Horror Story, all that stuff is done very well. So, eh, it'll probably appeal to a lot of people. My all guess the black is. Black Walkers better survive this, Wizards. Wow, that's true. No, but my thing is. This is probably going to be one of those sets of like, I'm not really going to care for, but I'm just accepting this one ain't meant for me. <laughs> the others, I'm like, I could get my head around those. Those are probably neat. This one, I don't know. Uh, then we have some other stuff like Ravnica Remastered. They're going to make a Clue deck with or a game with Ravnica, which would be interesting. And then there's going to be Modern Horizons 3 also releasing next year. Uh, then the Universe is Beyond, they announced there's going to be Fallout. Which was the most random one to me because Fallout feels like it hadn't even been relevant since before the pandemic. So I, I mean, it's still one of the biggest brands in gaming. Is it though? Is like it's it's one of the most. I mean, at some point was well known. I don't know if it's I'd say it's the well brand, but like I don't know. Like it literally about, is like it's a Skyrim level. Okay, same company. Sure, if, but if, I if mean, you out the new Fallout game <laughs> tomorrow. People are going to lose their minds. I'll take your word for it. I, I don't. <laughs> you, no, no, I'm being, I'm being real. Like, because I've, I've even played Fallout. I didn't get it, but I get it. It was popular, but I don't know. Like the other brands they have crossed over with, all seem like they were big draws for both sides. I don't Fallout's the first one I've seen them announce that I've been like, eh, I don't know about this one. Fallout's probably more popular than Doctor Who, especially in America. Oh no, not even close, dude. And I'm not even a Doctor Who real fan. I can tell you that's not true at all. Not even close. Like, even the amount of merch that I know game stores sell that are Doctor Who compared to Fallout when they have it. Oh, Doctor Who's way more popular. Like, I, I would hundred percent take a bet on that. Like, if you walked around anywhere and just asked people about Fallout or Doctor Who, I guarantee you the one they'll heard out heard about. If you ask people Fallout in the U.S., they might ask you if you're talking about Fallout Boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's literally in Super Smash Brothers, so it's not something... I get it. I'm not saying it's completely foreign and unknown. Say they don't put you in Smash Bros. if nobody's heard of you. And again, it, it might be one of those things that's just maybe it's bigger with the video game community or something and not a lot well, it's of it's a video stuff. game, so yeah, it would be bigger than with the video game community. But no, I'm saying as far as like, because there's a lot of games that don't cross over well. You know what I mean? Like, so 
maybe it's gotten big enough that it just carries weight throughout the video game community, and that's a thing. It's like Fallout is this hot new franchise and the kids are into it. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, like, it's the first brand, genuinely, that I saw them announce that I went, that's the one I don't know about. Now, that being said, it doesn't sound like we totally know what it was going to be just yet, because I don't know if they said it's... I think the only... No, that's not true. I think they did say it's going to be four Commander decks. So... I don't even know what all in Fallout we can make four full decks out of. Oh, there's 52 factions, I'm sure. There was on top of my head. But are they all fleshed out enough? Bruh, this this game series is like three decades old, yes. I understand. I'm asking. I'm just asking a real question. Like, I don't know. Like, I you mean, can, it's... You can it's, file four, four, four decks. You can get four of those out of one game. All right, I'll take your word it's, for it. It's an I, RPG. Every game introduces a minimum of probably nine to ten new factions. I think it can... If I, I had to guess, Brotherhood of Steel, because they're in pretty much every game. Sure. I would say, I guess, some form of Vault Dwellers, because the main character is almost always somebody that came out of a vault. So Vault Tech or slash Vault Dweller, some form of that. They're Super Mutants. That's, I guess, your probably big antagonist there would be a faction super mutant slash ghouls just any kind of a radiated monster mm. yeah easily there's that many i will say this i will probably get some and tuck them away in the closet because i'm well, yeah, a big believer all of those bad boys all the commander yeah. sets and all the secret layer sets are probably the things you need to be buying and investing if you want to invest in magic these days but yeah i don't know i i'm I, if it i will say this if it is the lowest selling of the universes beyond so far, I would not be surprised. We, we, we got to make some kind of friendly bet on this. Oh yeah. I'd be down. We could, we could work on that. Like, but I would genuinely be surprised hundred percent. Now that being said, it was also announced alongside Assassin's Creed. You've heard of that one, right? You're familiar. No, 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 no. no. I know. But again, I still see way more Assassin's Creed stuff out in the world than I see Fallout stuff. Right? I, I mean, hell, I feel like every convention, somebody's dressed up as, hell, at least 20 people I pass are dressed up as, like, different Assassin's Creed characters or whatever. Or, I guess, technically, they're different versions of the same guy or whatever, but you know what I'm saying. Well, I, I think now it's more of, like, I think they've stopped the whole all of these are descended from Desmond. I forget his last name. Yeah. Now they just now they just make an assassin because that whole storyline was getting really tired. It makes sense because I felt that way after like the third one or whatever. So yeah. like it, that kind of makes sense. Every time they switched to Desmond, I know I got sad. I know a lot of other reviewers I talked to felt the same way. The assassins were always infinitely more interesting. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I still see that one a lot. I still see people wearing the gear. I always see stuff branded with things on it with Assassin's Creed. So that one probably could sell pretty well. And I would uh, say it fits because I mean, magic has been confirmed to exist in that universe. So For sure. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think this one, let's see, this one says, instead of commander decks, you'll get those cards in a new kind of booster called Beyond Boosters. And we have no details on what that is yet. Not excited about that as far as the <laughs> way it's being produced. Because I don't feel like it has to be a small set. My guess is, now that I'm thinking about it, that uh what do we ever call the expansion set for march of machines that little like 50 card set 
might have been oh, a yeah, test yeah. run for something. I already like. forgot what you too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. That yeah, that's I was talking about. Yeah, I don't. Why am I even saying? I probably have a uh, epilogue boosters. There you go for for March of the Machine. That might have been a test run for doing some different type of booster for something like Assassin's Creed, right? Maybe one of those brands where people at Wizards go, you know, we don't have enough to really do a full set of commander decks or, you know, maybe not a full booster set like Lord of the Rings. But we also want to do more than just six or ten secret layer cards. We need something for that space. And maybe maybe it's not 50. Maybe it's 100 cards or whatever. But my guess is that's what that's going to be. But because they did say they're not going to be draftable or anything like that. They're just going to be buy them, get these cards. Right. So interesting, though, that uh, those are the two sets that got announced for the next universes beyond in 2024. Uh, and then we have four sets coming in 2025 that we don't know what they are yet. Uh, we just know their themes are a racing world of some kind. Almost like a death race 2000, it sounds like that type of thing. Uh, return to Ravnica or return to Tarkir. Sorry, which we haven't done that in forever. Feels like it's been 10 years now or whatever, so a long time. And then there's going to be an official space opera one in Q3 of 2025. And then we'll go back to Lorwyn at the end of 2025. So, yeah, lots of stuff coming through. And 2025 will also have a Final Fantasy uh, full set, it sounds like. So similar to Lord of the Rings. So we'll get a two-year break, effectively, before we do another full set uh, Universes Beyond, and this will fill that gap, but and no doubt that set's going to go bananas. Yeah, very, like, very nerdy, very anime. Yeah, like, it's one of those ones I look at and go, like, I've played a lot of the Final Fantasy games up to, I don't know, like, 10, I think, and they were okay. You know, I enjoyed them for what they were, but I know how big that license is. Like, there's just no way that's not... I like Fallout, the quantum I don't know. I'm familiar with Fallout. I just don't put Fallout on the same level as these other games we've been talking about. No. And Nintendo does. Yeah, apparently I do, you know? And that's cool. I'm totally willing to be wrong on that. But, yeah, Final Fantasy is one that when I heard, like, oh, full set and Commander decks, like, yeah, no doubt. Like, tons of characters, tons of lore. You've got, hell, 14 games worth of material to pick from. You know, like... There's a lot to work with there. But man, if I could get some chocobos, I'm in. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I can't imagine they do a final for that. That's probably your vehicle. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Okay, whichever one it was, maybe it was like 11 or whatever, where you could do chocobo racing. I can't remember which one, but yeah, that was. Dude, that, they usually do a pretty good job of mini games. I literally chocobo raced for like. A couple months and just right. didn't play the game. <laughs> they have several games because I mean, Blitzball for anybody that likes. I mean, it's oh, I did do a lot soccer. of Blitzball too, though. I love that, that. That's real. I did do a lot of that. Jack shot too, baby. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so stuff like that, and that, and that to me is sort of where I'm looking at on these games too. Like you mentioned those types of things, and there's a lot of players that go like, "Oh yeah, I know that. Oh man, I remember that." You know. So I think that's what's going to be like leading to that being a huge seller. And even for people that complain, I mean, Final Fantasy is very thematic. It's all about magic. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an easy crossover product. 
Like it's not a, there are people often that cast spells. I mean, they, they essentially have characters that function like planeswalkers. You know, they rip the fabric of space and time apart. Yep. You could argue Sephiroth is a planeswalker. True. Though that might they, be a character type. That I is know. the thing that came up where they said they're not going to do planeswalkers for other products properties. Oh, okay. They came up with Lord of the Rings because they were asking, like, why wasn't somebody like Sauron or, or Gandalf or whatever, like, planeswalker level... And they said specifically they're not going to mess with other people's properties by trying to turn characters into planeswalkers. You so know, the doctor literally is what he does yeah. every episode. He's going through space and time. But I kind of get where they're coming from. Like, that's a thing we've written in for magic and the cards work a certain way or whatever. We don't want to shoehorn other people's, our stuff into other people's stuff. And it probably also makes the legal branding and wording a lot easier yeah. to not mess with certain things. But yeah, so yeah, lots of stuff coming, man. There's going to be crazy, crazy, crazy stuff coming for the next couple of years. But let's get into something else, which is uh, a less fun story. I guess I want to start the story by saying, uh, go Raiders. Because <laughs> uh, Go away. Go far, far away. But yeah, that probably should be it, really. But there's an X-Ray. Well, by the way, if you're not a football fan... The reason I say that, and it's kind of funny, is it feels like the Raiders have just had, I would say the worst luck, but a lot of this they've done to themselves. Just the worst track record of stuff, PR-wise, for probably a decade now. Oh, way, way, way more. They've always kind of drafted thuggish. You know, oh, sure. I mean, you've had people getting into fights. You've had somebody, well, kill somebody in a car accident. Right. Right. You, you've had just, You make the list of stuff, it's probably happened. Hell, you had the coach with the the racism issues. You've got like yeah. just, it's just a laundry it's list of things baked into the brand at this point, unfortunately. Well, there's a former Raider, so even once they're done being a Raider, there's still problems. Uh, his name is Blake Martinez, and he's banned from whatnot. Now, for those who don't know what whatnot is, it's a streaming slash selling platform. Where people tend to go on, they can show off stuff, sell things. Almost like a QVC of gaming is the best way to describe it. Like you can go shopping with your favorite creators or whatever. But they do a lot of things like giveaways and whatnot. And one of the things they do is box breaks. Where you can buy basically a seat at the table effectively. Uh, it will, will, to make it more clear, let's see. There, let's say there are eight slots. You can pay whatever the amount is, usually some portion of the box price broken down by eight. So if it was an $80 box, you would pay 10 bucks and you get one of the slots. And then each slot would have a certain thing dedicated to it, whether it's a number of packs or a certain color or whatever. And everything that comes out that matches that gets set aside and mailed to you. So basically you get to be part of these big box openings, even if you don't have a lot of money for these specialized products. Because some of these boxes are opening are you know, $500, $800, these super rare products, and you're putting in 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, and getting your chance to own some of these super expensive cards you wouldn't otherwise open. Generally, a cool idea. However, Mr. Martinez was suspected of manipulation of the box breaks. Now, it was kind of hard to discern what they were talking about at first, but what I could read and break down was effectively basically finding ways to keep more of the higher value packs and swapping in lower value packs. So when he's opening them on box breaks, he's not giving 
as many high-end cards away and keeping a lot of them for himself. And there's a lot of ways you can manipulate this by, you know, the boxes off camera briefly and you're opening a box that's full of what you consider to be low-value packs because maybe you've already seen the higher cards open out of those boxes. So you kept the spare packs and now you're opening up the ones that don't have a chance of opening that thing. There's also the possibility of why you're opening them. If you've noticed, okay, we've gotten through two-thirds of the box and none of the big cards have been opened yet, you slightly slide those aside and you start pulling in some other ones that you know are technically lower ones, that type of stuff. So like, there's some ways it can be manipulated. I will say this, 99% of the people you deal with are going to be on the up and up. But he apparently was not. I also found out there's another feature that I didn't know what not had that you can effectively place bets on different things happening. Whether like, is this box going to eclipse this much money? Or are we going to open one of these big cards or whatever it is, right? And if the people win, they get some amount of money back or whatever. Apparently, he was manipulating some of those situations so that the people also were winning less money or winning at all. Yeah, that's not good. So there was a bunch of people that started going, you know what? I've watched quite a few of these streams. And there seems to be a pattern emerging, and this doesn't happen on other people's streams doing the same things. And then Whatnot started looking and ran their investigation and said, you know what? We think y'all might be right. And they gave him the boot. And credit to good guy Whatnot, they decided to actually reimburse a lot of people as well. So if you were part of any of these interactions or these streams, they tried to find the users that they could identify. They refunded money to them. And they even left a thing open temporarily that you could submit a report as a scammed customer. And I guess they're going to make you whole as well. So if you were on one of his streams, and these are for Pokemon box breaks, by the way. So if you were one of his followers, viewers, whatever, that were participating in any of these streams that you think you might have been wronged, apparently they have tagged certain ones or ones that they think manipulation happened and you can get some money back. So that's kind of a wild story, man. Because my understanding is not like this dude's hurting for money because oh. one, he has NFL money for a few years he was in the league. But additionally, my understanding is he had already made, I think it said like over $11 million from his various trading card Pokemon stuff since he's left the league. So I don't even know why you'd be trying to cheat your viewers at that point. It's not I like... You guess he's NFL mentality of, hey, it ain't cheating if you don't get caught. Yeah, I just don't... Like, you literally left the league. I don't know if you ever any steroids tests. Or they may not have tested him. I don't know, guys. I think those are supposed to be random. So maybe he... Never yeah, it's just, it's just sad. Because I'm like, you left the league. And you still, fortunately, were able to take care of yourself. You found a way to make another multi-million dollar business. And you're just willing to put your reputation in the tank by ripping people off for, what, a couple of hundred dollars worth of cards? Like, that. that's like an ends does not justify the means type thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm assuming, well, like most people that are cheating, they don't think they'll get caught. Which I is kind of wild considering you had to figure he had to be one of the most high-profile people breaking stuff on the platform. Exactly. That's the other thing. It's not like he's me or you on there with maybe, right? you know, you're having a good day. There's 100 people. That'd be outstanding, right? For this dude, there's probably a couple thousand people. Yeah. He's easily one of the top, you know, sure, the top 10% on the platform, maybe top 5%. I don't 
Yeah, probably. Especially if he's already done eleven million in a couple of years on right. that. You know what I mean? Like through there and his website. Who else is getting their stuff reported by all the sports sites in the world? Nobody. Yeah, that's just crazy. Just crazy, man. I, of course, I hate to say it. Like, what will be the long term damage? We've seen people in even in like in the magic community. You know, Michael David Lynch still making content. I don't know if it's costing money at this point. Well, that's also true. Again, that'll be one of those things like we talked about earlier. Like, there'll be some smart comments every time he wants to be doing a YouTube video or something. But I bet probably after a while, it it dies down. Yeah, and this, still making money. this apparently became a big discussion to where Whatnot made some posts on Twitter about it. And there was a Reddit story. And basically, it breaks down to everybody saying he really just had really bad sleight of hand that led to him being <laughs> caught. Oh, boy. But yeah, they were just like, hey, after reviewing it on Blake's Breaks, which is what he called his page, uh, we've decided to permanently remove him, move the seller from our platform including the individual employees involved in the misconduct. So his whole operation and anybody associated with them has been removed, apparently. So, yeah, that's a thing. Don't don't even know why. Like, that's that's the craziest thing. Like, I think it's always been caught. He never thought he'd get caught, which if his sleight of hand was bad is really <laughs> sad. We, we've talked about how people can't, you know, self-evaluate. I'm sure he thought he was doing David Copperfield-level stuff. And, and here's my thing, right? I... I always tell people, if you really are in a situation where you need the money, at least I get it, right? Like, if you go into a store and you don't have food and you're just stealing a loaf of bread, at least I get it. But when you have plenty of money, like, bro, what are you doing? And again, I'm betting if we look back at his career, it's probably not the first time he's cheated. Probably not. And, and you don't, the thing is, you don't get all this way and they're like, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to start putting my thumb on the scale. The thing that's weird too is like, it's not even like you have a lot of money. He literally has multiple millions. So it's not <laughs> even like you're doing all right. Like you're doing great. <laughs> like you should be in a position to just be happy, go lucky, building up the biggest audience you can and everybody having fun. And you're stealing hundred dollar bills from your viewers. And, and let's say he has, let, let's say he cheated in college at the NFL level. He probably feels like, hey, if I can cheat the NFL, surely I can cheat these rubes with some Pokemon cards. You're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. It's it's just sad. Because when stuff like this happens, it's very rare that the time you catch them is the first time they've cheated. It's just the first time they've been caught. And you know the sad part to all of this? When I read the story, I just went, yeah, Raiders. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. you you almost you almost aren't it's like brand. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're not even shocked really when you find out a player was a raider. You just go like, yeah, okay, sure. Part of the brand is kind of win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. That's just sad at this point. Like if it's a amount, like when we find out something happens with I don't know, like the Patriots, we're like, oh well that's something. You know? Like, like but the Raiders, we all go, Yeah, yeah. that checks. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some Commander Master stuff. All right, so we all know Commander Masters has been expensive, right? That's kind of the whole discussion around it. But there's kind of an interesting thing that's developed post-release that I wanted to at least touch on. 
we're in a weird anomalous situation where because the promos of our, or previews that already started hitting slightly for Wilds of Eldraine and for Doctor Who, people aren't necessarily wanting to go out and spend a bunch of money on a really expensive set because they know there's things coming down the pipe that they want to buy, right? Especially new stuff where this is all reprints, which isn't really a surprise as far as behavior. And what we're seeing is the booster box prices are coming down a bit. And this is something we've talked about on the show before, because I know tons of retailers that, like most small businesses, are a lot of times underfinanced, right? And they're living month to month and trying to make sure they can pay off their bills with their distributors every 15 to 30 days, depending on their their arrangements. So they're trying to just deep discount some boxes, get rid of them, get them out of inventory so they can be liquid to buy Eldrain stuff here in another three weeks or whatever. But what's funny is prices of the cards in the sets, a lot of them are actually still going up. So it's not lack of interest in the cards. It's just people not willing to dole out large amount of money to buy the booster boxes. So we're in a really weird situation where you're starting to get to where buying a box will yield your money plus in a lot of cases, but there's not really buyers for the boxes. So you're starting to see more retailers just buying boxes just to open them and sell the singles because the singles are still sellable and valuable, which usually we almost hit this weird plateau where the lines cross, where like the value gets enough on singles to where people start buying boxes because you can just make your money back on singles or whatever. But in this case, I don't think anybody wants to go buy, you know, a $200 collector's booster box or $250 or $250 uh, set booster box or whatever. It's just not a thing. So it's already starting to come down below 300 in a lot of places for the set boosters and collector boosters were already weird. Cause there was four really expensive packs in a box for like 200 and some dollars. I'm seeing those down around 180 already. And a couple of retailers I talked to are like, yeah, we're just buying those and cracking them because we're able to sell all the singles out of them. So, yeah, this is something I don't think we've seen before. And I think mostly it has to do with timing. Because remember, we're also just coming off Lord of the Rings, which was just, what, six weeks ago or something. Which feels like forever ago, but it really wasn't, you know. So we just coming off Lord of the Rings, we have this thing, and then we're going to have Eldraine basically a month apart from this release. So it kind of makes sense. That I think it was a a bad choice for Wizards to put their most expensive set ever in a weird window between a really popular set and brand that a lot of people bought, because a lot of people love Lord of the Rings, and what's going to be a new standard set that's also a world that people are interested in seeing what they do when they go back to it. So it has some interest, and it's going to be kicking off a bunch of stuff for standard, and people are waiting to buy standard cards. So yeah. I don't know. I don't, and I don't even know. Like, I think it's bad, obviously, that we made a set that was very expensive and people ended up not wanting to pay that price. And you have retailers that are going to have to go this whole rigmarole to not lose a bunch of money selling it or whatever. But also very interesting that while it did bring prices down on a lot of the singles because reprints, you know, that happens, it didn't push them completely down because a bunch of the product didn't even get open yet. (laughs) So, it like kind of hit the floor that it was going to hit and has already started making its way back up on several cards. 
So yeah, I don't know what to make of it, man. This is a very weird thing to follow, but I'm definitely. I, I think uh, product fatigue is real. Like you talked about, we're just you know, Lord of the Rings was not that long ago. Where the new standard said that if you'd like to play standards, you gotta at least take a look at it, and then. As you said, what was going to be one of the most expensive booster boxes ever? It's just it's, it's too much, too fast. You know what's funny? I think we use the phrase product fatigue because it's too, I do think for some people that is a real thing. But I also feel like if this set had been a $200 or $250 box, I think a lot more people would have bought it. I think north of $300 was just too much for people. Especially, like I said, coming off of a big set and people planning to buy these next two sets. I think that's just too much. I think it was more the price even than the product itself. And I have seen people say, even in my own Discord and stuff, they're like, yeah, if this was cheaper, I might have bought some, but I think I'm just going to buy singles. More than just like, ah, it's another product. Because it's all reprints, effectively. There's a few new cards, but it's basically reprints. So it's not that big a deal as far as like having to own new cards, but being able to get a lot of them cheap with new art and stuff like that is all kind of cool. But yeah, I think the price just ended up being too high on this one. And I feel like uh, people were people were screaming that as soon as the price was revealed. But yeah, this seemed like this is yep. a bit too much. Now, again, I do think there is a place you could have put it throughout the year where you might have gotten away with that price. But the spot it was in in the release schedule, it didn't give it a chance at all. But on the other hand... Maybe. I'm trying to think where would you have put it where there's because <laughs> cause the product is hidden. Yeah, pretty I, fast, I think pretty regularly. I think pre Lord of the Rings sometime in the year would have given you a shot. I think the problem is once we got to Lord of the Rings and we have Doctor Who coming later this year, whatever, like you just have stuff too many people are going to buy and buy a lot of that. They're, they're just not going to spend a lot on that thing. Like we once you got past that key point in the year. You're done. You don't have a chance to sell a $300 box. Not to a lot of people anyway. Yeah. Right. And, and God I, forbid you have more than one hobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, you know, we've talked before that you can keep pushing the price up till you find what the limit is. We might be getting close to finding what the limit is. You know what I mean? Like, it may be a $300 box. Maybe not. Again, it could just be timing is bad and whatever. But... I think with your wizards, you now have to look and say, all right, for now, 300 has to be our bar. <laughs> all right, like maybe we could add more stuff to it. We could do more giveaways. Maybe we insert more things and we can make 300 more appealing. But right now, 300 is the ceiling, right? That has to be a thing. If you start conversations going like, well, what if we did this and we could sell a $400 box? It's like, uh, let's make 300 good enough first. And then you can iterate on 300 a few times and see if you can make that pop off before you think about raising it again. Because let's not get stupid. We know for sure there will be another $300 box in the future. It's just now, what do they have to do to make it appealing enough for us to go spend $300 for the box? That's what the next project's going to be. And that's just business. That's not a wizard's thing. It's just... If you want to make more for your stuff, you got to figure out how to make it incentivated enough so people want to go buy it. That That's just kind of where we're at. But that brings us to the dinner table. And we may go a little bit into overtime here, not a ton. But one of the things I thought would be fun for us to talk about, Brian, is that 200 episodes is 
more than three and a half years worth of podcasts. Right. A lot of stuff's happened. And now we started before the pandemic. <laughs> That's how long it's been. Right? No, nothing existed before the pandemic. Yeah, pretty much. Right? In the before times. But I'm curious. There's just a lot of things that have happened since then. Like a lot of stuff's happened in gaming. A lot of stuff has changed for content creators. Magic has had a lot of things happen. Like. How do you feel about everything? Like, are you feeling good, bad about gaming, about content? Like, it just feels like there's been a ton of shifts in that three and a half years. I mean, just in terms of magic, we've seen a, a lot of positive changes. Like, you know, the removal of the the seven cards that shall not be named. I mean, just just a few weeks ago, they revealed the Wizards has internally stopped saying tribal and replaced it with typal. That was a huge change and a positive change. So it does feel to some extent like they are honoring their promise to to listen to people and try to be try to be more inclusive and less offensive you know you know that's a good thing to bring up seriously i that's something good to touch on is you know there's a lot of things about ah there's this issue with race and this that and the other and like we don't have enough people checking for these things and we did say okay they're gonna appoint somebody to be more in charge around wizards of you know the cultural sensitivity stuff. And they actually seem to kind of be delivering on it. You know, like it's one thing we were all like, okay, you're going to put somebody, but are they just a figurehead or is it really going to matter? But like you're saying, like all that stuff's happened, you know, hell, even in D and D, right. We had a whole adventure model written by just people of color. There's a thing that didn't happen before. Right. There was, there was talk about, um, one of these other sets that's coming up. They had a, basically some cultural experts that they brought in and, you know, got info from and talked about different designs or whatever. So they are actually living it, you know, like as much as, again, you want to call something out when it's bad. We also got to give credit when it's good. And they seem to be doing it. Yeah. Cause you know, okay. The, the, the D and D singing space monkeys should not have happened, but they quickly realized like, yeah, we, we, we have to real bad. And it was addressed very quickly. That's true. And that's the other thing too. I don't expect anyone to be perfect, but at least if you're owning it and you're dealing with it quickly, as long as it's not happening like regularly, like if it was something that was happening like every three months or something, it'd be like, okay, look, somebody's still got to get control of this. But I feel like that's been the one big thing racially that's happened, unless I can't remember something else in a while. So if that's your one and you dealt with it the way they did, like I, I can get behind that. They said, hey, look, we own it. It's wrong. We shouldn't have included it. We've already talked to the people. We've taken it out of all the future versions. We've already changed the digital copies. Because yeah, I don't feel like that happened in like a couple days. Right. Like maybe three or four days. So I'm like, good on them. So yeah, hard, hard to complain about that. I think that's good. And I will say in general, I feel like I'm having more conversations openly with people about cultural sensitivity type stuff. You know, even at Magic Cons and stuff, when I've been walking around, there's been more people of color and particularly black players and fans that have come up to me and been like, hey, you know, I appreciate this. Oh, it's awesome that you brought this up. Or, oh, man, you mentioning that gave me something I could show somebody at my school. You know, this is a thing we wanted to start a program and we reference your show or whatever. So it's like 
having a few more efforts out there seems to be, I don't know if I say like a snowball effect, but at least making it easier for people to have those conversations and open those doors or whatever, which is helping, which is kind of all we really wanted in the beginning anyway. Like, I have no doubt because of the things we cover and the things we talk about, we're never going to be one of the biggest magic gaming podcasts or whatever. But if we're consistent enough we'll and, to settle for being one of the best, that's fair. That's fair. But it, but if we do get enough recognition where the people it matters to can get it out in front of the right people and that gets it creates more awareness on different topics. I'm good with that. Like, will we like to be a show where people download, you know, 5000 people download it every week? Yeah, I'd love that. But if it's just not, it's not, you know, and that's OK, too. Because could I be a host on a show where we talk about things that could possibly get me 5,000 downloads. Yeah. But it wouldn't serve the purpose of what we're doing. <laughs> right. So I, I get it. I would also say contents made a bit of a shift too. You know, when you think about when we started, you pretty much had, I guess, really just Twitch as the mainstreaming platform. YouTube was still just thinking about it. And Facebook was well, it sounded like they were trying to make a real push at one point. They made a push, and, and they got you know, pushed out, I guess, so to speak. Having been part of the program, I will say that they announced a push. <laughs> they, they knew and, what they needed to do. They just had no idea how to do it. And they, they spent some money, Yeah, but they definitely did not organize themselves to be able to make a real push. Uh, but on the other hand, YouTube has definitely really come on. Yeah. And a lot of people are Kick is, is making big moves. Yeah, that's true. Kick, surprisingly, is still around. <laughs> I say that. I expect them to be around for at least a couple of years. I mean, they're backed by a I mean, gambling platform. They ain't going nowhere. Yeah, as long as the gambling platform wants to continue pouring money into it, they're not going. And they're going to have incentive to pour money into it because Twitch is, to some extent, trying to clean up the amount of gambling content that they have on the platform. So that's. If YouTube doesn't want your stuff, Kick is <laughs> Kick is like, come on, baby. So it's yeah, and I will say again, I'm not saying that I, there, there's nothing wrong with gambling content. I occasionally talk about sure. prize picks and things like that on my social media. Have talked about Top Shot. It's just you know if somebody is paying you, it's I think YouTube is supposed to require you <laughs> to disclose that somebody is paying you, but I don't think it's really enforced at all. Yeah, most of the time you'll see people say it. either it's as an ad or it's marked as this video is an advertisement or blah, blah, whatever. So like, but I don't think YouTube viewers care as much. Like, we know it's a thing, but if we're there for that information, we're there for that information, whatever. There's not the pretense of we're playing this other game, but let me tell you about this. You know, like, you kind of know why you're there when you're, when you're on YouTube. I will say, though, 99 percent of it is not pretending to do any kind of journalism. So there is less expectation that that's also true, that the, the news and the editorial side or, or that the advertising editorial side won't cross over. You know, though, you or Twitch is actually finally starting to do more for discoverability. And, you know, they've instituted a thing to make it easier for you to turn your streams into shorts form stuff and that's been nice and now when people clip your stuff they'll start sharing your clips apparently that's supposed to start soon so i mean the whole thing even for content creators has kind of come around to a whole different thing i mean hell even wizards realized hey we should work with content creators because we can probably get more reach and sell more stuff so they started the mtd ambassador program 
right? So there's a lot of things that even in a three and a half year span has changed a lot. And I don't think we've even thought about that too much, but man, cause three years doesn't seem like that long. But we think about all the things that have changed in that amount of time. It's quite a lot. Yeah, this three year span is the longest three year span. Well, yeah, that's fair. Right. You're you're right. The pandemic it's somehow longer than every somehow longer than the previous 10 years that came before it. But dude, even like other gaming companies that have come and gone in that three year window, games that have come and gone. Hell, I we had stuff with Riot and and Blizzard with their court cases, and that was a whole thing. Like it's it's been a pretty eventful time since we've had the show, and that's a lot. Twenty twenty like, was six years long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it felt like twenty twenty one was basically at least two years. But dude, if you go back and look, like it, it we've documented a lot of things in two hundred episodes. Like it's almost hard to believe that magic. And in gaming in general, had that much stuff happen in a three-year window, but and I mean that's part of you know why why you do like any kind of journal podcast, any kind of project where you take you know just a, a weekly note of the things that are going on around you. And this has been this is a, a historical stretch. People will will look back at our work and lots of other people's work and just to try to get a feeling for what was happening during this unprecedented time in, in the world's history, really just every, whether it's gaming, sports, politics, every quarter had to try to deal with, with the pandemic, with post pandemic, with trying to restart everything and achieve some semblance of normalcy. again. You know, one of the things I've always found interesting is that, and this was a few years back, I had the thought that let's say 50 years from now or hundred years from now, it'd be interesting how people look back because we're living in a period of time where every single thing is recorded, right? When we think back even to like the fifties or sixties, there's a bunch of stuff. We have to hope somebody wrote a newspaper article or there's some black and white photo in an archive somewhere, you know, but like, Literally, if somebody wants to know about the pandemic, you could start at January 1st of 2020 and have something, you could have like a true documentation of every single day throughout that year. And you can have audio, you can have YouTube videos, you can have articles, you can have tweets from people, you know what I mean? You could have an accurate story of what the year of 2020 looked like. That is the good and bad of social media. If you want to know what cookies were trending yeah. in, in, uh, in 2019, you'll be able to go back and find that. But isn't that wild to even think about? That like somebody would be able to make a 100% accurate timeline and have the coolest presentation if they wanted to. And who knows? Maybe it's like an hour long, two hour long video. But you could literally go like January 1st, January 2nd, January 3rd, and just show all of that throughout the year. Like, that's pretty cool to know that we live in a time where history will be preserved in one form or another forever. Accurately. I think, uh, I think it was Andy Warhol that said in the future, everyone will be famous for at least 15 minutes. And damned if we didn't hit it. <laughs> he might not have known how, but yeah, social media is a definition of everybody is going to be famous for at least 15 minutes. And it. God only knows what reason it could be. Yeah, if you it try hard enough, because you could at least be the main villain on Twitter. 
for a day. <laughs> or, or, I mean, the dress at your wedding could be gold, but it looks blue. It's just oh, random yeah, that things. Thing. I, God, that thing was a thing for like a month. <laughs> yeah, that just captivated the world. And unfortunately, they're apparently, I guess, going to get divorced now because apparently there's the, he, there was domestic violence in that, in that uh, marriage. So That's such just, a sad way for that story to end. Right. <laughs> Just, of all the people, you not that we know, but you know, since everybody weighed in on their wedding to some extent, you, you hope, I mean, you hope anybody stays together, but this is a situation where everybody, you know, kind of saw at least her wedding dress. Yeah, man. It's, this is, it's been an interesting time for 200 episodes, but hey, hopefully we got 200 more in us because Lord knows that the, uh, the news ain't stopping and magic's going to have more stuff and Video games are still going to be a thing. <laughs> There's going to be a lot coming. Bunch everybody how they can find you on the social media machine, Brian. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And keep an eye out because I probably have some giveaways coming and hopefully some fun stuff showing up on the YouTube channel. But as always, wherever you are listening, whenever you're listening... Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. And thank you for listening for 200 episodes. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.